right answer. Flying dancers with magical wings and pretty dresses pull their magic star and they twirl and fly. Flying sky dancers, doll and doll with launcher sets, each sold separately. What is fun? True, unadulterated fun without a little bit of danger. It's true. There's always got to be that that a little bit of element element of danger, yes. And if you were a little girl in the '90s, you got a taste of that danger. Oh, absolutely. This is the story of Sky Dancers. This is Toys R Us. All of my best friends are toys. Oh boy, all of my best friends are toys. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. All of my best friends are toys. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Patty Ruxpin Hello. Hi. And welcome once again to your favorite history class, the Toys R Us podcast. Boom. I'm Professor Richard Hunt, and with me as always is my teacher's aide, Brian Muth. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Brian. Yes, sir. Today, we are going to be discussing the history of those spinning harpies of doom, <laughs> the Sky Dancers. That's true. A dangerous toy that had to be recalled, and for good reason. Yep. <laughs> that being said... Are you ready to dive in? Rip the cord. Oh, yeah. Fucking rip a rooney. Let's go. We start our story in 1957. Ooh. Where we meet up with a 39 year old Louis Galoob and his wife, Barbara. That's what's up. Together, they created Louis Galoob Toys, a small toy and stationery company, which that seems to be just like the running trend. Yeah. Like, nothing, nowhere is a fucking toy company first. They're yeah, sta- stationary, stationary, and then they're like, you know what? Let's roll in the Look, toys. Yeah. <laughs> Hasbro. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I want to make pencils, but, hmm. Toys. Why is that guy throwing a, a fucking rock that's kind of smooth, like a ball? <gasps> ball. Just like fucking cavemen? Yeah. <gasps> oh. Ball. Araka. Araka. Oh. Fire. Stick. <laughs> stick. Stick and rock. Stick stick ball. <laughs> okay. The company was incorporated in 1968, and Galoob's first toy success was the reintroduction of a battery-powered jolly chimp that banged cymbals and nodded his head when activated. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. What is, things I don't want to see when I walk into a room in the middle of the night. Exactly. His eyes are lit up for whatever <laughs> fucking reason. Like, Stop. This classic toy, along with such stationary items as photo albums and calendars brought in modest but steady annual sales in the low six figures during the 60s and early 70s. In 1970, 
company founder Louis Galoop became too ill to continue as president. Aww. And his 21-year-old son, David, dropped out of University of Southern California to take over the family business. It's Nintendo all over it. <laughs> right? Uh, Louis ended up passing away the following year. Aww. This does tangentially re- relate to Nintendo. Oh, really? And we'll get there. Okay. It's not going to be so much in this episode. Yeah. As it will be in the Next Nintendo Part Nintendo. 2 episode. Okay. But you'll see. Okay. David Galoob, whose previous business experience had consisted of selling waterbeds from the back of a truck. <laughs> man, I got these waterbeds. <laughs> I got these waterbeds, man. Uh, began looking for products to with the potential to transform the small firm into a top toy producer. In partnership with his brother, Vice President Robert Galoob, David aggressively pursued new product development and thereby transformed the company into a $1 million business by 1976. Hey, you got Bobby G over here. Bobby Galoob. <laughs> Bobby G. Bobby G. Uh, Louis Galoob Toy's first breakthrough was introduced in 1976 when the company purchased the rights to an inexpensive line of radio-controlled, battery-operated cars and trucks. Oh. In the era of the monster truck rally and the revival of stunt driving, the toy vehicles charmed American kids, and the line of products became one of the company's mainstays for the next 20 years. By 1978, these sturdy little cars had generated sales of nearly $5 million. That's yeah. nothing to sneeze at. No. Especially in, like, 1970s, 80s dollars. Oh. That's that's bone without a budget. Exactly. Uh, during the mid-70s, product licensing became an important factor in the toy business as producers sought new ways to predict and harness the desires of young consumers. Yeah. Galoob made its first major entry into this market when the company began to license and manufacture Smurf toys. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... They served as Kaloob's main entry into the girls' toy category during the 1970s and early 80s. Smart. The late 70s were a time of experimentation for Kaloob, as management sought the direction that would allow the company to break into the top echelon of toy producers. We kept trying to get a handle on the company, David Kaloob told Forbes in a 1985 interview. After a number of unsuccessful products, including an electronic crap game called Strobe Dice. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> you know, kid gambling. Strobe Dice. Strobe Dice. Strobe Dice. Alone in the world is a little Strobe Dice. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, like I keep seeing that meme on Facebook, with Mechanical Rat and Child Casino. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mechanical Rat Pizza and Child Casino. I fucking love it, dude. It's so accurate. It hurts. It really does. <laughs> I just need one more token, man. Just, Give me, I just need one more, man. One. Man, I just got to get these ten more tickets, man. Give me, That's it. I need my ski ball. <laughs> I need that finger. I need that fucking Chinese finger trap. Okay. I don't understand. Your fingers go in, but you can't go out. I don't understand. We got to push it together, but it falls apart. I don't understand. Please help. I have a problem. Send help. Galoob found its entry into the mainstream toys through an unlikely medium. Of a toy license for a television phenomenon called Mr. T. <laughs> Boom! A bejeweled strongman and his crime-fighting cohorts, the A-Team. It's true. Mr. T had inexplicably captured the imagination of kids around the world, which is just like, duh, he's 95% shiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh wow. Yeah. Shiny. It is snowing out. It is. Oh. Delightful little flakes. <clears throat> little, light little flakes. 
What if snowflakes were cornflakes? Uh, or frosted I'd, I'd, flakes? I'd have to. Uh, frosted flakes would be preferred because uh-huh. I'm a fatty and I like sugar. Man, so good. The fucking cut up a fresh banana, slice that motherfucker. I'm allergic to bananas. I know. That's crazy. I know. Sometimes I wish I wasn't. Man, missing out. I tell you. And in 1983, thanks almost exclusively to Mr. T Dolls, Galoob posted sales of $28 million. That is wild. Yeah. Every so often you'll still see one at like flea yeah. markets and whatnot. Yeah. I always think it's really neat to see one. The Galoob brothers decided that Mr. T sales provided the capital they needed to become a major factor in the toy industry. And in 1984, they took the family business public with an IPO of 1.25 million shares. Yeah. With a large influx of capital from Mr. T in the public offering, Gloob was able to expand its own new toy line to intensify advertising and marketing efforts. And in spite of a complete collapse in sales of the fad-driven Mr. T toys, total sales nearly doubled in 1984, with such products as the Animal, an off-road vehicle with claws to climb over oh, rugged terrain. that popped out of the, the wheels. And, I wanted one. and Sweet Secrets, the first girl-oriented transformable toys. Ooh. Transformers. <laughs> like, okay. Robots in disguise. <laughs> Come on, guys. Um, let's see. Gloob sales broke the $100 million mark by 1985. So Holy like, shit. Yeah. One of the most promising toys of the 1985 lineup became a debacle in the following year as Baby Talk, an electronic talking doll, was one of mes- many casualties of the electronic toy glut of 1987. Ooh. Yeah. These high-tech toys had seemed to be the wave of the future in the mid-1980s as toy companies scrambled to compete with Nintendo video games. Uh? Yeah. High cost and technical glitches, however, disenchanted parents and kids alike. And electronic kids toys... Kids are a fickle beast. They really are. I mean, think about, like, fucking Crazy Bones, Furbies, and Beanie Babies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in the 70s, Pogs. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He's um, back in pog form. The lube entry, entries into this category included a number of talking dolls, as well as an 125 talking board game called Mr. Game Show. Ooh. Whose snide pattern and high price tag became a symbol of the unmarketability of these products. The failure of Galoob's electronic toy, as well as serious production delays, caused the shift of the toy production to the People's Republic of China. Oh. Which caused uh, sales to decline 40% in 1987. Ooh. And the, co- the company posted a net loss of almost two, of almost $25 million. Ooh. That yeah. hurts. The boom and bust cycle experienced by Galoob is inherent in a fad-driven industry like toys. Yeah. But where established companies like Mattel could fall back on such longtime favorites as Barbie or Hot Wheels, Galoob was faced with continually developing new hit products just to stay in business. It was clear that the company had to produce a toy with staying power if investors would be wooed into sticking with the company. Insert micro machines. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Uh, in early 80s, Glue purchased the license from a line of miniature toy vehicles from a Wisconsin lawyer and toy inventor who had tinkered with the idea in his garage. Dubbed Micro Machines. Oh, fuck! <laughs> these cars were modeled on a much smaller scale than traditional toy vehicles, while retaining much of the detail that the boys looked for in these toys. It's true. Although industry buyers were skeptical, a tremendously successful advertising campaign featuring fast-talking actor John Moshida 
came through for Galoob, and the smallest ever line of toy vehicles became Galoob's best-selling products in its 30-year history. One of my personal favorites. By 1988, sales of micro-machines contributed $60 million to, Galoob, to Galoob's $140 million in revenue. The following year, the line's sales had climbed to $135 million out of $228 million in total revenue. Hell yes. Yes. Goddamn Micro Machines. Dude, man. when they announced that they were, like, I was all in on Micro Machines, but oh, when they, yeah. they're like, okay, we're going to make Star Trek Micro Machines, yeah, like, I lost oh. my fucking mind. Yeah. I first still have nerd, a ton of First nerdgasm. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I'm like, like holy uh, fuck. And but since I'm younger than you, yeah. my, my version of that is when they made... Star Wars Mighty Max. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I still shit. have some of those. Yeah, me too. I got the R2-D2 one, I think. I have the fucking Wampa. Yeah. With, like, fucking hanging upside down Luke Skywalker <laughs> on the inside. Like, Man, oh, those shit. action fleet ones too. Those the the yeah, ships with the, the little Luke Skywalkers and the X-Men. Damn, man. Fuck yeah. Beautiful. Um... With the spectacular results from the Micro Machines, as well as a very successful line of crawling baby dolls called Bouncing Babies. Bouncing Babies. By the end of 1989, Gloob seemed poised to enter the next decade as one of the premier toy producers in the country. Net income had risen to a record $18.9 million, with cash on hand of over $25 million. In spite of these impressive statistics, Gloob was unable to escape the boom and bust cycle that is the scourge of the toy industry. Indeed. 1990 proved to be the worst year that the toy, de- toy industry had seen in over a decade. Ooh. With the country in economic recession, consumers were unwilling to spend as much on toys, and nervous retailers began to cancel orders. Gloob's mm. micro-machines were already overstocked at many retailers because of smaller-than-expected sales in the 1989 Christmas season, and buyers balked at ordering more inventory. Bouncing baby sales had also all dried up and none of the newly introduced grill toys provided comparable financial returns. By the end of that year, Galoob had posted disastrous net loss of $29 million, and development development cost of unsuccessful products had eaten up most of the 1989 surplus. (sighs) To make matters worse, the FTC charged Galoob with making deceptive advertising claims about its number of toys, and although Galoob Galoob denied any wrongdoing, a settlement was reached with... uh, the FTC and the ads were pulled. You lousy FTC. I know, fucking assholes. Um, faced with plummeting share prices and with no hit product in the wings, Galoob management was quick to implement a long term recovery plan with 1994 targeted as the earliest date by which the company could return to profitability. Ooh. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. Crucial to the strategy was the development of core brands that could be extended and renewed each year and thereby thereby provide a steady and reliable source of income. In addition, new product development costs were to be reduced in order to lower break-even point for products, as well as to cushion the company from the effect of the unsuccessful introductions. Following the predominant corporate trend of the 1990s, the Loop also undertook considerable reduction of personal costs by laying off 17% of its workforce. Holy shit. Yeah. In 1991, in what some analysts call a forced ousting, David Galoob resigned, leaving Lewis Galoob toys with no Galoob in management and ending an era for the family business. Huh. Mark Goldman, who had been the company's um, COO in 
since 1987 and was perceived to have more cautious management style, took over the presidency of the troubled firm. Micromachines, Gloob's most successful product to date, was chosen as the key brand to be developed under the new management plan. In the course of the next four years, the Micromachines concept was extended to five independently marketed thematic playsets featuring more than 155 vehicles in 40 collections. In addition, licensed entertainment properties such as the Power Rangers, Star Trek, and Star Wars were applied to the Micromachines vehicle lines playsets. Hell yes. Annual sales of the Micromachines, which had dropped to only 43 million in 1991, climbed steadily back up, reaching 113 million by 1994. Yeah. And a lot of that was my money. <laughs> <laughs> like, Shut up and take my money. Yep. After these messages, we'll be right back. Ladies, allow me a moment of honesty. Your boy stinks. I stink. He stinks. And honestly, men just stink. And for a long time, there hasn't been too much you could have done for it. Especially when it comes to below the belt. But this Valentine's Day, everything's gonna change. And it's all courtesy of Ballsy, who's this week's sponsor. You see, Ballsy has manufactured high-quality products, free of parabens, sulfates, and synthetic dyes. They keep your man smelling fresh below the belt. That's why this Valentine's Day, they're releasing the I'm Nuts About You gift set, which includes their ball wash, an activated charcoal wash packed with essential oils and plant extracts. Their Nut Rub, which is solid cologne for keeping your boys below, and full body smelling fresh, which comes in six fragrances. And Sap Spray, which is a portable deodorizing spray, great for freshening up on the go. There is also a secondary gift, the Your Incredibles Heart Box, which includes three Nut Rub solid colognes, including a limited edition Valentine's Day only scent, Drift and Dunes. Retail price is $45, but with our coupon code, you save 20% off. So head on over to BallWash.com and use our coupon code TOYS20 to save 20%. Make sure your Valentine's Day doesn't stink. And now, back to the show. Entertainment licensing was vigorously pursued by Galoob in the early 90s in an attempt to ensure a continuous flow of toy lines based on entertainment properties. Already in control of the valuable Star Wars and Star Trek licenses, Galoob also acquired the rights to Starship Troopers and Johnny Quest. Oh yeah, yeah, and signed the Starship Troopers still. Yeah, I know. When I read it, I'm like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, yeah. Uh, And they signed an ongoing agreement with 20th Century Fox for new entertainment licenses, like the Aliens Micro Machines, dude. Dude. Like seriously, I I love kids' toys based on rated R properties. Yes, (laughs) that just cracks my shit up. Um. In 1993, Galoob purchased the rights to a flying doll from AGE Entertainment, and the following year the company introduced Sky Dancers, a fairy-like doll with styrofoam wings that lofted her in the air when propelled from a pull-string launcher. Sky Dancers was one of a handful of new girls' toys to be introduced by Galoob that year, and Galoob management was optimistic about the doll's potential. Rightfully so, it's neat. Oh yeah, it's a fucking great concept, dude. I'm surprised it was, like, never successfully converted into a boy's toy. Yeah, I mean, they tried. They did. But it didn't It didn't, didn't really stick, take off. no. Ha-ha! Ah, it didn't oh, take off! Alright. If it brings $25 million in 1995, as I expect it will, that's a big percentage of our business, CEO Mark Goldman said in a Christmas 1994 New York Times article on the doll. 
By the following month, the company had raised this estimate to $40 million, and by April 1995, Skydancer had become the number one girls-selling toy in America, Boom. with a final sales for 1995 topping $70 million. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's almost three times what he thought yeah. it would be. Yeah. Glue's stock price, which had been mired at around $6 for over a year, more than doubled over the last half of 1995, thanks in large part to the excitement generated by the Skydancer phenomenon. Hell yeah. It's time to fly away to the magical world of Skydancers, the beautiful ballerina dolls that really fly. With the help of their pretty launches, you can send Skydancers soaring high into the sky. Just pull the launch cord, and the doll raises her wings and twirls gracefully towards the sky. These dolls came with either a flower, moon, dolphin, or jungle launcher. Right. Most were sold separately, but there are also twin packs with other dolls in it. There were three different bodice types and six different wing patterns used. See, now that's cool. You yeah, know, you got different switched up a little like bit. Customization. Yeah. The there was April Blossom, Crystal Rose, Rose Blossom, Flora, a twin pack of Crystal Blossom and Ivy Rose, a twin pack of Ivy Rose and Sea Crystal, Fern which was also sold in Italy with the name Rosa. Hmm. Renee, which was also sold in Italy with the name Regina. Oh. Dusty Moon, which was also sold in Italy with the name Raggio di Luna. AKA These are all like Moonbeam. total stripper names, except for Renee. It's yeah. Like, yeah, Renee. Yeah, Renee. <laughs> and Renee. <laughs> uh, Renee is the one that just has like tenure. Yeah. <laughs> just, just there just, because everybody yeah. respects her so much. Yeah. R- ladies and gentlemen, Renee... Everybody, uh, turn your eyes to the main stage. Here comes Renee. <laughs> Renee. Be like fucking yeah. a Bon Jovi song because it's like the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, okay, all right. There's fucking poison. Yeah, I'm looking for nothing but a good time. People just show up just to be like, take my money, sweetheart. Just, Why are you still doing this, <laughs> Renee? Uh, Moon Shimmer. Starbeam, Star Shimmer, Ooh. a twin pack of Moon Dance and Star Dazzle. Now, now it's getting into like weed strains. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Misty Sea, Nova Star, yep. Sea Crystal, Sea Star, and Crystal Shell and Sea Sparkle in a t- uh, twin pack. Wow. From that to it's like moving into My Little Pony territory. Yeah. Per its instructions, here's how. To make a sky dancer dance. Okay. For best flying, turn doll's head forward. Oh. Insert post on sky dancer's doll into hole on launcher. Gently turn doll up to one half turn clockwise until snug. Ooh. Hold launcher firmly at arm's length and point doll away from you. Using other hand, pull launch cord. That, that's <laughs> that's where things get mucked up. Note. Be careful not to pull the launch cord too fast or too hard. For best results, use a smooth, continuous motion. (laughs) That's what she said. For ages five and up only. Warning. Choking hazard. Small parts not suitable for children under three years old. Kids, man. Important safety information. Caution. Keep clear from face and eyes. (laughs) Do not launch at people or animals. Recommended for use in open areas. Hold launcher at arm's length and point doll away from face. (laughs) And not near the fireplace either. No. But more on that one. Yeah. Believe me. And as most massively successful toys are wont to do, Skydancers have been 
spun off <laughs> into many different forms. I like it. In 1996, the Toy Series spawned an animated television series by Gaumont Multimedia in associations with Abrams Gentile Entertainment. Huh. The series premiered in France on April 12th, 1997. Vive la France. Mm-hmm. The five characters were said to be students at the High Hope Dance Academy under the widowed Queen Skyla. Ooh. Queen Skyla and her students defended her kingdom from Skyla's jealous brother-in-law, Skyclone, who <laughs> sought revenge for his brother, Skyler, Skyla's husband, Ah. being selected as king over him. Skyclone had successfully killed Skyler, but was unable to gain control of the Sky Squirrel <laughs> Sky Swirl Stone that gave the Sky Dancers their powers. That's a lot of skies. It's a lot of sky. Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. Another pistol call. Couldn't call it Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sky Dancers also generated a children's book series in 1997, and the stories were, for the most part, not tied to the animated series. Mm. The art style mimics the toy line's aesthetics. A board game was also generated and appears to be based on promotional material for or at least earlier drafts of the animated series. I was going to say, a board game based on a flying toy doesn't sound like it'd be too terribly interesting. No. Some of the art in the theme song is close to the art and characters that appear in the board game. The object of Sky Dancers is to be the first Sky Dancer to return the uh, stolen Sky Swirlstone to Queen Skyla. Players must move through the Wingdom world, the Chaos universe, and finally into the High Hope uh, Academy. To move from one world to another, your dance student pawn must change its form and turn into a Sky Dancer pawn. Oh. Yeah. That sounds fairly involved for for, a kid's game. For what? Yeah. Uh, in 2005, a Sky Dancers game was released for the Game Boy Advance, and it used some of the names from the animated series. Hmm. Uh, but everything that flies must land. It's true. And all, uh, unfortunately, there was a massive recall on Sky Dancers in 2000. Uh, I used the Wayback Machine to find the actual recall notice. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yes. I bet that was awesome. Washington, D.C. In cooperation with the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, CPSC, Galoob Toys Incorporated of San Francisco, California, is recalling about 8.9 million Sky Dancers flying dolls. That's a lot of Sky Dancers. That's a lot of nuts. Galoob was purchased by Hasbro in 1998. Uh-huh. The hard plastic Sky Dancer dolls can fly rapidly in unpredictable directions and can hit and injure both children and adults. <laughs> Gloop has received 170 reports of the dolls striking children and adults, resulting in 150 reports of injuries. Dang. They include eye injuries, including scratch corneas, and incidents of temporary blindness, broken teeth, mild concussions, broken ribs, and facial lacerations that required stitches. Okay. First off, I've had a I've had a scratch cornea. That is not a walk in the park. Oh god. How do you get a fucking broken rib from that Sky Dancer? That I don't Dancer? know. That somebody just took the fucking Sky Dancer, screwed it into the base and hit you just fucking ribs yeah, with the base. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz that's that's like brother grabbing the the yeah. launcher and like winging it yeah. at somebody. Oh, absolutely. The recalled Sky Dancers uh, were sold in many different styles, including pretty light Sky Dancers, mini Sky Dancers, and Fairy Flyers. 
The Princess Ballerina-type dolls have hair pulled up into a ponytail and have stiff foam-wing-covered arms that propel the doll when it's launched. The launcher is sold in many shapes, including dolphins, flowers, moon, ponies, suns, and rainbows, have a molded plastic base and pole cord. The launchers were sold in both handheld and tabletop versions. The doll is inserted into the top of the launcher feet first, and the pole cord is launched to launch the doll. The packaging is labeled Skydancers, Galoob, made in China, ages 5 and up only, and not for children under 3 years old. So where does the 4-year-old fit in that? Yeah. It's like- <laughs> for old kids, uh, there's a loophole. <laughs> uh... Mass merchandise and toy stores nationwide sold the dolls from November 1994 through June 2000 for $8 to $25. Boom. Consumers have stopped using these flying dolls immediately and called Galoob for instructions on how to return the toy sets to receive a product of equal value. <laughs> well, here's your problem. This thing's set to evil. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, man. You know who isn't set to evil? Is uh, Facty? Oh, it was Facty. Yeah. There is a quest in World of Warcraft called Skydancers. <laughs> Do you get your eye poked out if you fail it? Oh, man. Uh, Drag Queen Trixie Mattel once lovingly referred to the toy as the gayest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do we got here? Oh, my. You better work my pussy out. Do you remember this? No. Show you're me. beautiful. You're gorgeous. You look like Linda Evangelista. I'm having a heart attack. This is, <laughs> this is amazing. This is on top of the list. If you're a little gay boy who wasn't allowed gay things, this, this is, is the, the gayest only. thing in the world. It's got height, it's got momentum, honey, it's got drama. Honey, this is me leaving any relationship. <laughs> that was so fast! Yes! Damn it. Will you do it at the same time? One. No, just do it at the same time. Oh. Try to, like, juggling. Ready? Yeah. One, two, two three. three. <laughs> I caught my own. <laughs> uh, despite that, despite the fact that many think a viral video of a girl losing a flying fairy toy to a fire is a sky dancer, it's actually a knockoff called a flutterby fairy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, the girls in the original prototype test for the Sky Dancers received $25 for their troubles. <laughs> and Galoob is most known outside of toys for its lawsuit by Nintendo oh. for their creation, Game Genie. It's fucked up. Yeah. But they won. They totally won. <laughs> Which could, you could say is like, that's the father of modding video games. It really is, yeah, absolutely. And with that, we come to the end of another wild ride. Another wild flight. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, Every landing you can walk away from, right? <laughs> That's very true. Unless you broke your fucking ribs. Yeah. With a sky, dancer. sky dancers. You know. Uh, if you like what you heard and what you learned, you can consider doing the following. Follow us on all social media. We're at Toys R Us Podcast across the board. You could leave us a review on any podcast app that lets you do so. Or you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash Toys R Us Podcast. 
Until next time, remember, are we human or are we Sky Dancer? Yes! And remember, you will always be a Toys R Us kid. I'd like to take the time out to thank our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. So, thank you to Jeremy, Jessica, Nicole, Amy, Nicole, Nicole, Juanita, Sabrina, Shannon, and Steven. Thanks a bunch, guys. I did my best to notice When the call came down the line Up to the platform of surrender I was brought but I was kind And sometimes I get nervous When I see an open door Close your eyes, clear your heart Cut the cord are we human? Or are we Sky Dancer?